0: But uh, <clears throat> as we were getting ready for this, we actually had a conversation this week beforehand, so I didn't spring everything on her, and she's a lot happier about that. So
1: I'm, not, I'm still not sure what the pictures are going to be.
0: Yeah, I told her if, Brace she, if she wants to be sure about the pictures or whatever illustrations we throw into the PowerPoint, she needs to build the PowerPoint because that's the only way you're gonna be sure because inspiration strikes at odd times and you just never know. I mean, last week, Sunday school, and this is another plug for Sunday school. If you miss Sunday school, you miss things. And, you know, Michael Jr.'s comedy inspired me that, hey, Christmas Vacation has some great illustrations for the sermon. So that we, we were all over the scope last week and we won't be far off it this week. But as, as I started looking at the story of Christmas, uh, I want you to understand it's not that much different than the day in which we live. Okay, there, were, there was great political turmoil. There was civil unrest. There, there were a large string of hate crimes, riots, acts of terrorism. Martial law was mandated throughout most of the known world. There was a mandated census and taxes. And I looked at all that and I thought, that's enough to stress you out.
1: See, I didn't know that was gonna be there.
0: (laughs) Well, I really thought about just going back to Christmas vacation and and saying, Does anybody have any Advil? But I, I decided to, you know, to go with this picture because Uh, somebody went to a slumber party last night this was one of the movies they watched. so I'm helping her stay awake as well and it's just a great picture and a really fun family comedy and home alone but in the middle of all of that in the middle of our world today in the fast-paced craziness that it is we're called to remember peace and the the word of god is full of references to peace and and one of the, the questions that my better half came up with was uh no, you did this one. This this one's mine. Never mind. This was my question. What are some of the things that are stealing your peace right now? And that's, that's hard for us to admit, because we, we love mankind in general. We love to tell people about when we're winning. But we don't want to talk about our struggles. We don't want to talk about our losses. We don't want to admit we're wrong sometimes. And we really don't want to admit when things are bothering us, because we were always told, don't complain. Don't complain. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, be a man and, and go do your job. And, and then we wonder why we bottle it all up until we erupt on people. So what are some of the things stealing your peace? And, and that's, that's tough. Just making sure nobody fired an answer out on the... Because the people that are brave and answer us on Facebook Live you know, will respond and if you want to be one of those people i will not get mad at you for pulling out your phone and typing in a response because the the thing i think we miss sometimes in church is that we're all in this together the only reason i stand up here on the stage is because this is where the mic is if we put the mic on the floor i'd be on the floor if we could put the mic in a closet where you didn't have to look at me everyone wins i have a great voice for radio Or great face for radio, I guess is how it goes. (laughs) See, I blew my own joke. But what are the things that are stealing your peace? And you know, is the weight of the world weighing on you more than you admit? You know, and I mean, it's it's only December, and the part of the Christmas story that jumped out and hit me this year was taxes. All the world to be taxed. I'm like, I don't I don't think about taxes in December. Taxes? I don't want to talk about taxes. Okay. Anyway. Property. Property. You
1: have to, you have to pay your property taxes.
0: <laughs> or in, Get that out there. there. there's places I've heard of lately. Pay your payroll taxes. But we'll move on. In Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through four says this: The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian." And for every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. What a wonderful prophecy about the birth of Jesus. The, the fact that it names him as the Prince of Peace.
1: Oh, I picked this verse. You picked this verse, so you're going to jump in. <laughs> I picked this verse because um, Advent, as it's structured, kind of calls us to look back and to look right where we are and to look forward. And so I wanted us to look back at what Isaiah had to say. And he wrote this, and we talked last week about there was 400 years between the writing of the last Old Testament prophet and the birth of Jesus. But this writing that Isaiah wrote was even earlier than that. He wrote this like about 700 years before Jesus was born. And he's given these words, and of course we don't know if he fully understood what he was writing, but he's given these words to write about this child that's going to be born. And he calls them all these names, um, you know, Wonderful Counselor and Mighty God and Everlasting Father. And he calls him the Prince of Peace. and. This little section is very, like, warlike. They're 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 in a they're in a tumultuous space when Isaiah is writing this, um, and he's saying, well, we're gonna get rid of even the war garments, and they're just gonna be campfire because we won't need them anymore, because we're gonna have someone that's gonna lead us into peace instead. Um, and those people had to hold on to those words for so for so long, for generations, that someone was going to come, a child was going to come and bring them peace. Um, And how very hard that must have been to hold on to that for so long.
0: Well, and the, the, the legacy of handing that down to your children through, most of them didn't have the writings of Isaiah in their hand. They had to just verbally share the stories and share their history which is a, another part of the Christmas season that I just absolutely love is, is how you are naturally drawn to telling stories from Christmases long, long ago. And it's not new because the, the legacy of sharing your history is part of the Christmas story. How would they know to be looking for Messiah if people weren't still telling the stories? I put this picture in because she asked me this to. This
1: was my one request, so we're gonna read. Are we gonna read it next? Yeah. We're gonna next. We're gonna look at Luke chapter two, and this is a really familiar passage, and um, probably something that we've all heard. And um, in fact, this is Linus, and when Charlie Brown is struggling to figure out what what is Christmas all about, all this commercialism. Have you guys watched it? Yeah, surely. Somebody has watched this, right? <laughs> okay. All the commercialism and the silver trees, which we have a silver tree, by the way, um, at school. J.J. has it at school. and
0: It's an antique.
1: Nowadays, they were apparently really like big when they made this cartoon. Linus stands up and he quotes this verse. So I said, J.J., put Linus in there.
0: And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night.
1: Oh, this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Oh, it's up
0: there. And the angel of the Lord appeared (laughs) to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I didn't keep going.
1: That's okay. Okay. Okay, so we looked at Isaiah, and here was Isaiah's promise. This child is going to come. And then we looked at Luke, and here's the f- fulfillment that this baby has been born. And when I looked at those things, I thought about how faithful God is to fulfill what He does. Um, in fact that's one way that we feel confident in um, this story is so many prophecies about Jesus and how very specific they were and He was able to fulfill those very specific things. And so I wanted us to think about this question about for ourselves. We see this promise fulfilled in Jesus but what promises have we seen God fulfill for us? Um, so what's, what did you put next?
0: Uh, the next scripture okay but but before we move on to that the the thing that jumped out at me in the story just because of what we've learned throughout the year was I have a different view of the shepherds now I always thought it was a bunch of burly kind of like cowboy rancher guys that were out there but that's not the reality of who keeps the sheep in the Middle East it's usually the, the younger children of the family. I'd always thought these were, you know, grown men sitting around a campfire when the angels showed up. In reality, it was probably young boys, maybe teenage girls. And that's who the angels appeared to. They, they didn't appear to an older generation to herald the news, they appeared to the next generation of leadership. And and I, it's a lot easier for me to think that the shepherds were excited and running around and telling people, because I don't know about you, but if I've been laying on the ground next to a campfire, the last thing on my mind is running around and jumping and yelling. And, and I'm not old, but... You know, I always pictured the shepherds being older and, and more mature. And and the thing that makes that even more beautiful to me is that this if they were, in fact, younger, they knew the stories. That it had been passed on to them by their parents and their grandparents and, hopefully, their great-grandparents. And they knew the stories. And... And they got to go see it and they got to be the ones to go tell everybody. Because young people, when they get excited and go tell people, it's hard to get them to stop. But coming back to this question, what promises have you seen God fulfill for you?
1: I was going to answer it. Did you put it in there? Did you put it in We're having the conversation right now, can you tell?
0: That's like at the end, but yeah, it's in there.
1: It's at the very end?
0: That's the last set of scripture I put in.
1: Okay. Did you do this? Yes. Okay, go to that. Okay. (laughs) Hebrews 10, 23-24, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So if we can remember for ourselves, like, I had this situation, and I trusted God, and He came through. If we can hold on to those things, just like those people did for so many years. I have this burdensome, you know, rule of Rome over me but I'm going to hold on to what God says. And he came through. Um, And if we can confess those things um, and remind ourselves of those things. And I think it's okay that we say the same stories every year at Christmas and we read the same verses because we are forgetful. Um, You can ask my children. I'm extremely forgetful. (laughs) And I always have been. In fact, when I was a senior in high school, I was – robin mrs dunn it was mrs dunn i was robin's high school aide and i was charged with taking her these weather reports that she wanted for her class and my dad would send them with me and i distinctly recall i would get home and my dad would say did you give those to mrs dunn and i would say "Mm." and he knew i had not done it (laughs) i had not remembered it so many times and i tell my kids that i've always been forgetful But, so it's okay to remind ourselves of those same things over and over again, to look at this story and say, God was faithful then, let's speak that. He who promised is faithful, let's consider that and let's stir up in others because it is easy to lose sight of that. And it is easy to see the negative and to see that J.J. started with all those things that the people were facing when Jesus was born, and we think of the, the situation in which our world is in today. And so we need to remind ourselves of the promises that God has already fulfilled. So how can God's previous faithfulness give you peace right now? Um... It seemed a little funny when I thought about this, to be talking about faithfulness and peace tied together. But, um, you know, when we, when we have been able to stand on something before, we can have peace that we can stand on that and in in going forward.
0: And the, I think that's a, a big part of why God's really big on us remembering in the old testament we've already covered it a, a couple different times where god told them to told the children of israel to pile stones and make a memorial so that when your children see it they'll ask you what it means and and i think part of the reason we share the same stories over and over and over is so that our children will remember and Hopefully, our children will tell their children. And, and God's faithfulness, you know, I, I've heard stories of other people where they share how God was faithful, and it encourages me because I never know when we're going to go through something just like that. You know, you, we don't always see what's around the corner. But God has the view from the blimp and He puts people in your life that maybe went, went through something like you're going through. That, that walked a similar road to you just so that they could be a voice in your life that amidst all the chaos and the craziness, they begin to speak peace. Because, hey, I, I've been there. It, it looks bad right now, but God is faithful. God, God's not Brought you this far to let you fail. And, and a lot of times we have to remind ourselves that, yeah, we went through some hard things and God was faithful. So when we go through hard things again, God, who never changes, is going to be faithful. In Psalm 113, verses 5 through 9, David writes, Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high? Who looks down, who looks far down on the on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust, and he lifts the needy from the ash heap, and he makes them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord.
1: You put it at the end. Why did you Okay, so this is, um, I will probably cry because this is hard for me to talk about, but um, I asked, I had JJ put this verse in here because we're talking about what promise have you seen God fulfill for you? Um, We were married, what, two years? I don't know, maybe a year and a half. We were still in college, but Jay—I Jay, I think you were about to graduate. So we thought, okay, he's gonna have a stable job. Maybe we can start a family. And so we tried and nothing. And so I went to a doctor and he said, well, tr- you have to try for a year to be considered infertile. That seemed like the worst thing ever to say to somebody. <laughs> I don't know, in the moment it was just, it was so cold-hearted, I felt like, but now just keep on trying for a year. Okay, so a whole nother year, we went back. He said, okay, we'll run some tests. They ran some tests. I had some issues that needed surgery. Okay, we'll have surgery. By this time, we were had moved to Follette. So I was driving from Follette to Stillwater to like do doctor stuff. Um, so, 07, we would have been married four years. Um, We had the surgery, I recovered from the surgery, still nothing. So we went to a clinic in Oklahoma City and did more tests and they said, um, you have problems and you have problems and it's probably like 10%. Um, So we started doing treatment with them and we did like three, like three months worth of treatments and it was it's just awful it was just absolutely awful and so we said we're going to take this off for Christmas because we're driving from Fallout, Texas to Oklahoma City like three times a month and so we said we can't do that we'll take December off so we didn't do any treatments in December and um I got pregnant in January and we made like a really big deal because we were really excited and then I miscarried that baby at 12 weeks so in like April Um, and that was the really lowest point I don't know about for you but for me that was the really lowest point because there was this like maybe something's going to happen and then it was all shattered and taken away um, and so that took a long time physically and emotionally to pull out of that. So we, we just couldn't do it anymore. We couldn't do the treatments anymore. Um, and so we stopped.
0: Well, the, the point at which we stopped was when the doctor said, hey, the, that initial figure we shot you was high. That it's probably about a 3% chance it'll ever happen.
1: Um,
0: and... And she just smiles real big and walks out the room. I thought she'd cracked. I thought, I thought I'm thought i going to have to have her committed because she was entirely way too happy about that. And we get on the elevator, and it was almost like we were having a party on the elevator because, oh, we're adopting from Russia. I've already started the paperwork. And, and it was... It was something where at that point, in my mind, we had given up on biological children.
1: Yeah. So it was hard. But we, we did all that. That took two-ish years, two and a half years. And we got to bring our Xavier home. Um, and he had been home with us. Let's see. He came home in June of 2011. Is that right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in like, by the end of 2011, I was pregnant. Because Audrey was born in December of 2012. No. But whatever nine months are, I'll do the math. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> she was born in December of 2012. And um, I thought that whole pregnancy, it was going to... Nothing. It wasn't going to work the whole time. Something's going to go wrong. Something's going to happen. And of course, she came early. I had blood pressure issues. I went for like a normal checkup. What would I have been? Like 33 weeks, 34 weeks. And they said, your blood pressure is kind of high. You should lay on your left side and we'll check it again. I know nothing about blood pressure. So I was was like, oh, sure, whatever. I'll lay on my left side. And they came back and they said, it's still kind of high. We're going to keep you here. And so... (laughs) Then you feel a little nervous when they say, we're going to keep you in the hospital. So they kept me in the hospital at Shattuck, and they said, we're going to run this test. It takes 24 hours, so you have to stay here for 24 hours. Okay. And we had Xavier, and he was two, and JJ was coaching and working, and so we had he had to, like, just pick up the ball and all of that. And they did the test, and they somehow messed up in the way they ran it and they said we have to run the test again and this whole time I'm laying in a hospital bed on my left side and it was was pretty awful and they ran the test again so another 24 hours so I went in on a Monday by a Wednesday they said yeah you have preeclampsia and she's too little and we can't deliver her here so we're going to send you to Oklahoma City so they put me in an ambulance and they made me on my left side in the gurney and um they had given me medicine to try to knock it down and they said this medicine's going to make you feel like you have the flu so i'm like throwing up and the the tech the emt that was with me said you're my first pregnant patient which made me feel so good
0: um, meanwhile <laughs> in In the secretary is rushing into the gym just white as a ghost and all she can tell me is you need to get to Shattuck now. Yeah. It's like, thanks Amber, <laughs> thanks for that. You know, I rush out of the gym, grab Xavier who's playing with cars or something at the time, throw stuff in the truck, and uh, set land speed records to Fallett. From Fallett to Shattuck, supposed to take I don't know how long. We did it in eight minutes, so you do the math. And I get there just in time to see them load her in the ambulance. And she's like, we're, we're going to the city. <laughs> and she's like happy about it.
1: I had a lot in my system at that point.
0: Yeah, at that point she was pretty loopy. <laughs> so I'm having to try and get details out of these EMTs about which hospital they're taking her to. And I'm on my razor flip phone trying to dial numbers <laughs> and it's not working because uh, cell signal wasn't great back then either. Finally, I get a hold of my sister. I drop Xavier off. I go back to Follett and get go bags and then head to the city. And the ambulance beat me there by 30 minutes once again. Praise the Lord. I didn't get stopped, didn't wreck. And get there in time to find out, hey, we're having a baby tomorrow.
1: Nope. They were less panicky in Oklahoma City. So we waited till the next day. <laughs> and then we had her. And then she was early and she was just a perfect healthy baby. And so I I put this verse in there um because this was a promise that God fulfilled for me. Um and I have to remind myself of that. And it was a big it's a big deal um, that God fulfilled this promise. But Uh, I think it's good to remind ourselves of all the little times that God is faithful because he is faithful every day um, and we can find his faithfulness and we can have peace because of that. He's said things and he's honored what he said and so we can stand on what he's going to say in the future.
0: And he's the same God that spoke everything into existence. So even on days that that I, I don't Feel anything. I can look out there and I can see God made the sun come up again. God made it set and He paints the sky beautifully when He does it. Or at night I can go look at the stars or the millions of details in the frost on the windshield. And I know that the God who spoke all that into being said that He has a plan and a purpose. And that's enough so Heavenly Father thank you for